Hello and welcome to Mental Money. Mental Money is a podcast that believes that money is less about the physical or what's in your wallet and more about the mental. What's your mindset when it comes to your money? How do you interact with your money? What's your heart behind how you use money? All of those elements, because ultimately at the end of the day, you can make a really, really good income and be broke and unfulfilled in your finances. So what can you expect from Mental Money? Well, the first thing you can expect is we're going to bring on a new guest every single episode that airs. And that means you get a new perspective, a new way of looking at maybe an older concept you never thought of to help us all win in our finances. And that's ultimately the goal with the Mental Money podcast. It's just to help us look at money differently, help us navigate all of our finances better and just learn from each other. So if this interests you, keep listening because the next episode starts now. My name is John Papaloni. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been, uh, you know, I've built many businesses, sold some businesses. I've, uh, you know, closed some down. And uh, currently I'm in the real estate industry where I have um, my real estate license, my mortgage license, as well as I started a real estate fund. So, uh, and I'm currently, you know, I have my own media company with my own podcast that I create and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, you know, I like to get into multiple ventures, try to, you know, invest my uh, talents in different areas and wherever I can. What's your main focus right now? Uh, my main focus right now is uh, mostly the investment fund and my media business. What does your investment fund entail? Ah, good question. Yeah, so what I what I do is the I purposely go out there and invest in different uh, multiplexes and multifamily. And what I try to do is get investors to invest with me. We do a joint venture. Um, what it is, my uh, investment fund is called Papaloni Capital. The way it works is uh, a lot of joint ventures here going on where we create an LLC where the investors invest in the LLC. My holding company is the uh, majority owner of it. And uh, we purchase different properties as uh, as that venture. And obviously, divide the uh, revenue and it's usually cash flowing properties had cashed out all my investments in 2022 when uh, the interest rates started going up and um, now what I'm trying to do is trying to re-get back into it because now I think it's a great time uh, I'm not worried about interest rates because the numbers are numbers right which you pay look interest rates won't be up forever but the cost of uh, of, of real estate does fluctuate once it right. goes, you know, like, and we have the opportunity to get it lower, eventually interest rates will come down, but you still paid the same price. So now's a great opportunity to get in. You just got to get over that hurdle. So I think now is the perfect opportunity and I'm looking to get back in. So, cool. uh, yeah, so I, I'm expanding in the way that I'm uh, rebuild, rebuilding right now. So originally I was just doing everything under my personal name, doing everything by myself, where now now I started Papaloni Capital so that I can get people to invest with me instead of doing it all over on my own. So do you have you have a lot of investors right now or is it just kind of a small team or a small group of people, I guess? Right now, it's a very small group of people. The company's really, truly only uh, about 45 days, 60 days old. Um, the concept and the paperwork is a took a lot more than I thought it would when I started. Um, I've been trying to uh, set up everything since last December. Uh, it wasn't uh, till basically this June that everything got set up properly. 
And what's what's been your biggest hurdle so far? Uh, figuring well, the biggest hurdle was figuring out these regulation and rules. There's so many restrictions and always things you can and can't do. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I talked to five different lawyers out there and mm-hmm. uh, accountants and all that. And I got, you know, the, everybody had a different answer of what I had to do and what I can and can't do and how to do things. And um, most of them were wrong. Um, I even, to be honest, I got my mortgage license based on this. I was told by, I, I don't know who it was, but whether it was the lawyer or the accountant or something, one of them said that if I had my mortgage license, the opportunity would be easier, you know, to get into it. Things would be a lot easier because I'd have my mortgage license and it bypasses a lot of stuff. That was false information. Now I'm not saying I'm unhappy that I have my mortgage license, right? but uh, I didn't get it based on, I want to provide mortgages. I got it based on, I thought this would help. And, um, and and now I'm happy I'm doing it. So let's be clear, but that was not my intent. So I ended up getting a big learning lesson there. Then I uh, actually came across somebody who actually knew what they were doing, came through the space literally by accident. I was on my podcast interviewing this accountant that I knew and I was going to originally use for my real estate business in the beginning, but I, I chose somebody else. But anyways, I ended up getting him on my podcast and um without him even knowing what I wanted to do. We were just talking and having casual conversation. And he started getting into um, into a lot of the breakdowns of uh, different ways to invest in different corporations to build and whatever. And he actually ended up giving me the, how do I do this without even knowing that that's what I wanted to do. And that is when things started, you know, being a little bit easier because then I found the who, as I would say, mm-hmm. you know I mean? Look, and this is a key component. I think this is a real nugget, right? A lot of times we focus on our why, then we try to figure out how. And the reason I kept buggering up and getting everything wrong is because I was focusing on that. What I needed to focus on who, who knows what I'm looking to do, who knows how to do it, who can help me get there, who do I need to be in contact? And once I figured out the who, everything was just in turbo to get it done. So, and uh, yeah, so I guess I didn't do the proper due diligence in the very beginning. Hmm. So do you find, do you find that you kind of already knew your why, but you weren't going into the in depth with your why or you, and, and so once you know your why, like your basic level of, of your why you you're more focused on the who that's what you're kind of saying here. Yeah. If you find out who you can figure out how very easily. But so okay. many times we're figuring out how, and right. then uh, we're spinning in circles because we're talking to the wrong people. Oh, okay. Hmm. Right. So when you find the right who, you get the right answers. Right. But you got to know what you want to do in the first place, which is your why, correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. Cool. So I want to back up a little bit and I just want to ask you a simple financial question, which is what, what are some of your core beliefs about money? Very simple. A lot of times we are uh, taught to think that everything is in a scarcity mindset. I believe in abundance. I don't believe there's a limited amount of money out there. I believe there's an abundant amount. The question is whether or not you want to go out there and get it. I think that people try to earn their way to riches, which is a false hope, which is why a lot of times you see people now who are in retirement mode and they're in that retirement mode. They're scared because they don't know if they have enough. Had they come from an investment uh, perspective from a younger age and lived a modest 
life in the beginning. Look, everybody wants to take their earnings and buy whatever they want to buy. They yep. buy consumables. They buy. Uh, they think their homes that they move into are an investment. And those same people who are worried about retirement now, well, what's your home paying you? If you sell it, where are you going to live? Like the old concept was, I'll buy a big home, sell it for a million dollars, and I'll buy a smaller home for 500000 well, I got news. Everybody's doing that now. So what ended up happening is that smaller home that you can are more mobile in because you know, at an older age, you're not going to do stairs very well. Well, right. everyone's in the same boat. They're all doing the same thing. So you sell your home for a million dollars and you're going to pay 950 to buy the uh, new home. Yeah. And, 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 and then when you calculate the fees, you basically broke even. You just changed homes. That's really what it's come down to. So that plan had failed. And that's because that comes in the scarcity side, people buying in emotions, never make money decisions on emotions, make it on financial logic. And the way I look at it, my suggestion is like prime example, I'll, I'll give you a breakdown if you yeah, want. For sure. Okay. Pretend your monthly income is $7,000. And what happens is you need 4,000 to live on. Right. And that's necessities, not extravagances. You're not going right. on vacations. You're not buying fancy cars. You're buying the basic need. And instead of upgrading because you have that 7,000, take that 3,000 and invest it every month, month in, month out. Now, 3,000 times 12, that's 36,000 times 10, that's 360,000. But if you add compounding interest to that, eventually that 360,000 with the compounding interest over 10 years, we'll say is going to be worth 500,000. Now, imagine you're invested in paying 10%. Now you got 50 grand a year just on investment income. And you did nothing other than putting away need. Like, like you, you spent your need and put away the rest. Now, right. 10 years later in, you got an income. Now you can use that 50 grand that you're making after paying taxes, we'll say it's 30. Take 15 of that and reinvest it to repeat that for the next 10 years. You take the other 15 grand. Now you can buy the upgrades using your investment income versus using your earned income. Earned income will dry out and run out, hence retirement. Yep. The investment income keeps coming. So your your belief is basically delayed gratification. 100%. Um, and then, like, yeah, delayed gratification. That's basically it, right? Yeah. Now, nobody in their 20s needs half the crap they're buying. Nobody in their 20s right. can uh, afford, you know, has to, you know, delay, uh, like, has to buy something now or they're not going to survive, right? Everyone think in their 20s think they have a lot of time. But compounding interest works best over time. Yep. And and with that being said, I mean, it sounds easy and it's not very motivating what I'm saying. But when you're 50 years old and decide you want to start investing, you're not going to do very well. I'm not saying stop at 50, but I'm saying if you had started at tw the 20 year old who started, even at a lower amount, will outperform the person who doubles down at 50. Right. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like just do the math and it never yeah. works out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And what would you rather do? Spend your twenties parting it up and spend your forties struggling? Or would you rather spend your twenties and thirties investing in everything and then spend, we'll say 45 to 60 living it up without even having to work? Right. It's a, it's a choose your hard situation. It's going to be yes. hard one way or the other. You're going to have to delay gratification in your 20s if you want to be successful in your 40s kind of thing or if you want to have a lavish lifestyle in your 20s you're gonna suffer in your 40s 50s 60s onwards exactly exactly like there's too many people out there like they get a pay raise and now their lifestyle goes up yep 
I think they call that lifestyle creep, but it's unnecessary. You're so used to living a certain lifestyle. Why not build your wealth, right? Too many people think about getting rich. There's a difference between getting rich and being wealthy. Mm -hmm. Rich means you have a lot of money that will eventually run out. Wealthy as you have a cash flow system that will continue to pay. Now, there's a lot of millionaires out there that are living check to check. Yep. Why? Because they bought crap they didn't need and the lifestyle they chose. And you know what I mean? Like, it's ridiculous. I, I like I like the way you phrase that, the lifestyle they chose. Because lots of people just think it's the, it's the, your, the lifestyle. But no, it's it's a choice. You made that choice to have that lifestyle, whatever that lifestyle is. Absolutely. Because look, that person making a million dollars a year today, once upon made the same $80,000. Well, they were able to survive at $80,000. Why do they need a million dollars to survive today? Right. Because of the choices you made, you got yourself and do such a lavish lifestyle that your monthly payments are so damn high that if your income were to drop, you'd be devastated. Yeah. I'm just of the personal belief that, um, that payments are Oh, payments and, and living, but like not living below our means are what's killing society. hundred percent, hundred percent. And that's the same thing. It's not, not inflation. Inflation is, is just the government excuse to uh, have their way. Inflation is bull crap because reality is our salaries go up every year too. Maybe not as high, but it does go up. Right. And there's opportunities. And, and if you had enough savings and you were living below your means, that difference would would be a minor effect. And if you're investing, more than likely, if you're investing the proper stuff, your investments are uh, overdoing the inflation. So you want right. inflation because if inflation is 15% and your uh, and your investments make 9% when inflation is at 3%, that means your investment should be making 18% or 19% during that 14 or 15% inflation. So you're, usually investments are going to outdo that inflation because the more you're, the more that you're spending means the more you're collecting, the more you're collecting, the more profits, the more profit, the more payout, the more dividends, the more dividends, the better the investment. Right. Right. Inflation yeah. aside, look at rents today. If you bought the, if you bought a property, I'm going to use a house, even though I hate single family homes, but sure. we're going to use it as an example. You bought a home uh, for say $600,000 and you're collecting $2,000 rent. Well, that $600,000 home that you bought 10 years ago might be worth 1.2 today. And the rent is four thousand, but you only still pay, paid six hundred thousand. That hasn't changed, but your rent has doubled. There's your inflation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for the the non investors, inflation hits them harder. Um, and like you said, I, inflation is not is not the big issue. Like it's it's not it's not the big issue. It's it's lifestyle. It's everything else that's a bigger issue than what inflation actually is. Hundred percent. Look, recessions are coming up. People, uh, I think we're here already. I mean, forget yeah. coming up. We're already here, right? Uh, and and layoffs are happening more now. I'm not sure where you are in Canada. Layoffs have been, you know, consistent for the last year, and I hear that unemployment in the states now is going up for the first time. So I think there's just a reflection of everything that's been happening. And I think it's going to get a little bit worse than it, where it is now. And with that being said, some people are going to go again, like I said in the beginning, whoa. But the reality is, if you were a good investor and you had 
put investments aside, now you have opportunities to take cash from that investment and double down. When right. things get hard, there'll be a lot of things on sale. People will sell their homes for less. People will uh, sell their business for less. People will take investors at a, at, at a lower dollar value. You'll have more opportunity. You have more products to buy at a lower value. Now, if you had just lived check to check and spent, or you just saved your hundred bucks and you put money in the bank, which is the worst thing you can do. Keeping money in the bank is the worst investment you can have. Savings are, you know, cash is trash even today. And what I mean by that is that cash is an opportunity if you have an objective for it. You got to get rid of it, put it somewhere. If you're just leaving it in the bank account, having the cash there just to leave it there, waste the time. But if you have a purpose for it, like when when things hit the, you know, yeah, hit, hit the roof, and you're trying to, uh, and people are, you know, and things are in distress and you want to find opportunity, then that cash is useful. You have to have a purpose for it. I'm not saying keeping it in the bank is, is the biggest no-no. It's keeping it in the bank to do nothing with it is the no-no. Exactly. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. You've got to have a purpose for whatever it is, whether it's being invested or whether it is sitting in a simple savings account, there's still got to be a purpose behind it. Like, why is it just sitting in your savings account? Is it an emergency fund or is it just cash that's sitting there? Like, do you need that cash sitting in, in the bank account or would it be doing better in investments? Like, do you need that loose or do you want that invested? Yeah, I believe that, uh, I believe that somebody should have about six months of living as an emergency fund. Any dollar you make past that six months should be invested somewhere. Get rid of it. Otherwise, inflation will eat it and you will actually be losing it just by keeping it in the bank. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think, I think people miss the understanding that, uh, well, and I think that's just because, you know, our parents and the parents before them, like, that's just what they've done. They've just put their money in the bank. And so we've just kind of followed suit. But people miss that just having like money in the bank, it's not making them nothing. It's actually with inflation, it's actually losing them money. Yes. Just having it sit there. Exactly. Now, a lot of times I don't blame grandparents. Let's be honest. Look, um, I'm 47 now. Wow. Um, and I don't blame my grandparents and I don't blame my parents. My parents and grandparents, based on my age, came from a war-torn time. Hmm. They were dodging bombs, right? So they're going to move to the country. They came to Canada. Well, my dad did. My grandparents stayed there. But that's beside in Italy. Yeah. But besides the point, my parents came to Canada. So they come here, you know, going into bomb shelters or ducking or worried about getting called in for war and they're going to be here and they're going to be scared. They come here with minimal amounts. They got that scarcity mindset. Why? Because of where they came from. So what do right. they do? They go to work. They take all the extra work they can. They were hard laborers. They uh, worked their whole life. They invested, saved the whole thing. Right. I understand that kind of mindset because, you know, you know, when you got bombs dropping on you, you're not going to come out saying, huh, I'm out of there now. Things are great. No, it doesn't work like that. You're going to live no. scared. Yeah. So I understand that. But what do they do? They work hard to pass it on to teach their kids to do better. They want their kids to do better than they did. Yep. And what ended up happening somewhere along the line, this mentality of go to school, get a good education, save your money, buy that white picket fence, get married, retire, it was born. Now, again, parents, 
made sense because of their their where they came from. Yep. After that, we should have got smarter. Right? That go to school was meant for factory working. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, that robotic mentality. Yep. Yep. Right? It was meant for factory working. I don't know. Where in North America do we have a lot of factories? I I, I don't see a lot of them compared to before. Right. So a lot more before. Right. We have to kind of grow from there. And that's where I think people have failed. They failed to realize that that era is done. It's time to grow like everything else in the country has grown. And I think it's a responsibility to our kids to learn that growth and to become, you know, wealth learners and, and, and build our own wealth and grow our own wealth to teach them how to have that generational wealth and teach them to grow. And I think that's responsibilities of the parents. And I think they're feeling their kids when they think that making enough just so they can have that pension is enough. I think they're feeling their kids because they're teaching them to give up on dreams, but to follow the old traditional factory way. Right. And I think, I think to that point, I I would even say if you want to go back to like, I, w- I would say that generations before this, before ours, had an easier way of being able to adjust. Yes. Being able to adjust to, well, for one, I mean, in your case, like war-torn, of course, you have to adjust. You have no option, right? Like, like it, it, it por- forces you to change. It forces you to adjust in order to get where you want to get to. Um, but now we live in that this such this comfortable lifestyle, this comfortable like comfortableness of just life. Like we don't have honestly, we don't have very many actual real troubles in this world, like where we live. Right. Like we, we just we just don't. And so we are not willing and able to actually take the step forward and adjust and 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 teach the next generation to be like, hey, like this works for me this might not actually work for you, right? Like, like the world could look a hundred percent different when you're actually working in it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. Right. So anyways, we should know better and we don't yet to be continuing with the same thing over and over and over yeah. and expecting different results. So maybe we're just all nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, possible (laughs) (laughs) and you know what let's be honest i think where it comes from is the fact that uh again it goes back to what i say uh i don't want my kids to suffer so i'm going to give them what i didn't have and they then those kids don't want their kids to suffer and it's gotten to the point where now you have what we call entitlement and expectations of being given things and they're owed and you know they shouldn't have to do this because they don't know any better because everybody's been so busy to make sure that their kids don't suffer they never actually learn the skills to survive that's a really really good point because yes we are an entitled society um but that entitlement didn't just start with them that entitlement was almost not passed down, but passed down in terms of like, like, um, I want what's best for my future kids. Right. And, and, and sometimes that gets like the, the way of going about that is sometimes just, just setting them up to fail. Yes. Sometimes it can be, again, that's why you have to be very intentional in everything you do. So like, look, (laughs) what can I say? Right. Like it's, this is nothing surprising, nothing new, but we don't change, right? Like right. sometimes you got to let your kids fail so they can learn. 
We're teaching people, oh, you don't want to fail. Yes, you do. Yes, yes you, do. you do. Because if you never learn to fail, you never learn to correct yourself. And if you never learn to correct yourself, you never learn to find the solutions to a problem. You don't find solutions to a problem. You're just an effective robot. But you're yeah. unhappy being that. Right. Yeah. You're, a, you're, a, you're an unhappy robot. <laughs> That's basically yeah. what it is. Yeah, exactly. And, mm. and again, we have the world of opportunity. Now I'm going to get, I'm going to get in real deep and I'm going to bring up a point here, right? Sure. Everyone's going to say, oh, housing so expensive. It's unaffordable. How are people supposed to live? Yada, 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 yada. Now, let me ask you something. Why is it an American born or a Canadian born are making those statements? And then you have an immigrant that comes in and ends up buying two homes. How's that possible? I'll tell you why, because they're coming here. They're coming here with that same attitude that my parents came to the country with because they're coming from something worse and they're willing to do what we're not willing to do because they're not entitled. They're trying to thrive. They're trying to survive. They will come in as a family. They will have two families. They're, they will move in with their brother's family and then their family put together and save together. They will unite. They will collaborate, right? And they will do whatever it takes to build that. They will rent out their basement while they're living upstairs. They will right. do the stuff we're not willing to do, therefore creates the opportunity. In the beginning, they're going to start renting just like everybody else. But yep. one, one family will pay the bills, the other family will save, and they do things together. Now, that's the other lesson here. When you learn to collaborate, you'll end up growing bigger. It's always easier to grow when you're collaborating with people than trying to do it on your own, which is the reason why I started my fund, right? Because I figure if I collaborate with people, I have more opportunities. I have more growth. Like there's only so much I can put in myself. Right. But if I have other people combining, now we can go bigger. And now the bigger we can go, the bigger the opportunity, the bigger the return. But I can't hmm. do that on my own. And that's the same thing. Collaboration should be the lesson in that. And my point is people come in here will do what we're not willing to do. And they're willing to collaborate with their other family members. And they'll grow based on the fact that they're willing to sacrifice today so they can thrive tomorrow. And it kind of goes back to your point of focusing on the who, right? Yep. Like, like you can do a lot yourself, but, but you're going to eventually hit a ceiling. But if you know who you need to work with, um, or even just, or even if you just don't know who you need to work with, but you try to work with, with different places, whether that's your family or outside your family, you get these ideas flowing, you get different perspectives, you get more money in the pot if you're doing it like as a actual just physical investment to grow and expand and thrive that way. 100%. 100%. Right now here, I'll give you an example about collaboration. Sure. Now, now you buy a property by yourself, 20% of a, 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 you know, of a hundred thousand, like using a hundred thousand is 20%. So that means the biggest property you can buy is 500,000. Sounds great, right? So now when you collaborate with somebody else and they put in a hundred thousand, now 20% of five, 20% uh, of 200,000, you'll end up having like that 20% will be a million dollars. Now, now you're 50, 50 versus a hundred percent. But, but here's my point. Now, when something doubles, you become 500,000 becomes a million, a million becomes 2 million. Now, what happens to the rent that doubles too? What happens to the, now you have more equity, you have more leverage. Now, when you're using that property to buy more, 
what are you going to get more financing on 80%, you know, that million dollars or the $2 million that just doubled, where are you going to get the best leverage? The 2 million, right? Mm -hmm. But if you did it by yourself, you'd have to pay the, the, the finances yourself. The rents would be lower because it'd be a smaller place mm -hmm. and you'd lose that leverage. Right. See what I mean? So just by collaborating, you have double the equity. Double the equity gives you double the credit. Double the credit gives you double the opportunity. So sometimes another easy way to put it, 100% of 100,000 is 100,000. 50% right. of 500,000 is, is a quarter million. Yeah. Yeah. No, I 100% I agree with you. When you collaborate, when you work together, you can... Just in life in general, if you work together on anything with someone else, um, your opportunities grow. Simple yes. as that. Exactly. Awesome. Well, is there anything you want to talk about before we kind of wrap up here? Any last comments? Yeah, absolutely. Like my last suggestion, last comment, last thing to anybody watching is that reality is you don't have to conquer the world in a day, but as long as you're 1% better every day than you were yesterday, 1% better a day every day is 365% better a year. So you don't have, don't worry about competing with other people, compete with yourself with who you were yesterday. And, and, and as long as, like I said, you just need a 1% improvement and you'll do better. Just do things step-by-step step and keep moving forward. Awesome. Do you have a book, podcast, a personality that you'd recommend um, any one of my listeners look into? In terms of uh, anything, in terms of, hmm, in terms of a book, the uh, what worked for me the most, what I, uh, you know, where I started because it was the book called, by Darren Hardy called "The Compound Effect." Oh, and it just talks about yeah, it's just talking about the one. same principle of compound interest, except he's talking about compound interest on your on your daily life yep. versus just money. So it was very helpful. Yeah, that's a that's a really, really good one. I've enjoyed that one. Yeah. Um, what has been your biggest financial mistake and what did you learn from it? Well, my biggest financial mistake was putting all my eggs into one home. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You you buy your the, the principal residence that a comment that I made to everybody. I'm not talking about because I'm so wise and knowledgeable. I made the same stupid mistake. Hmm. Right. I learned from my own thing. I, I saw opportunity and all my funds were tied up in my principal home and that opportunity cost. So right. I learned that and, 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 you know, from what my own experience. What would you have done differently in that situation? Would you have bought a different home as like a starting point or my starting point? I probably would have bought a duplex live in one, rent the other, at least, at least, at least. my living expenses would be lower. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what's your next big financial goal? My next big financial goal is I want to be able to. My big okay. My biggest financial goal is I want to be able to have enough invested income, enough investors, enough properties out there that I don't uh, that my investment income will outpace my earned income. Awesome. And where can people find you? You can find me on my website at johnpapaloni.com or on Instagram with my name. Awesome. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Um, thank you so much for coming on to have this conversation. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Mm -hmm.
once again, I just want to thank John for coming on and having that conversation with myself and my audience. I know we're all better for it. One thing I took away from our conversation was simple, was simply about collaboration and knowing your who so that you can figure out the how. I think that's really important because once you know the purpose behind it, your why, it's easier to figure out your how when you collaborate with others, when you figure out the who. You can do so much more together than you can apart. Your amount of money you can invest is greater when you do it with a collaboration with someone else. The amount of ideas double or more when you collaborate with someone else. The amount of impact you can have can go further when you collaborate with someone else. So collaboration and knowing your who, like who you want to collaborate with, will help you figure out how to get things done a lot easier, a lot faster, and a lot more efficient. I think that's a very, very wise point. So thank you for bringing that up today. If you've enjoyed this episode of Ment Money, please go follow John on his social and his website. And if you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode of Ment Money, I really do encourage you to leave a rating and a review and just let us know some feedback. As always, I say this every week, keep going, keep winning. I'm cheering for you.